Hey, before we start, I want to give a quick shout out to our Hands on Faith volunteers yesterday. Went to houses into homes. Uh, we had, by the numbers, 16 volunteers. We delivered to five homes in Johnson County and one rain delay. It was epic. Uh, there was also another group who did two other homes. So together we did seven homes. Uh, the effect is immediate. It is transformational to bring household items and furniture into people's homes. And it's really, really wonderful. So we'll continue to offer these Hands on Faith volunteer opportunities. You can look for those in the future. Uh, okay, let's roll. Meet Jana Mendez, the former CIA Chief of Disguise. The Chief of Disguise is a real job, and I want it. The person is responsible for creating and implementing effective strategies for disguising CIA agents around the globe. So think Mission Impossible, only real life. Including masks. They do this. They do masks. Mendez gave a TED Talk in which she shares details about her career as the Chief of Disguise. She's written a book, too. And I want to share a two-minute video clip of a different interview with her where she shares some details about the job. So we'll pull up that uh, clip from YouTube. You are in the spy business. It can be a matter of life and death to maintain an effective disguise. If you're found out and if what you're doing is considered treason, there can be lethal consequences. Okay, so big things are at stake. Now, I'm guessing that none of us are in that kind of secret CIA job. If any of you are, you're doing a heck of a good job. <laughs> Keep it up. But all of us have times when it is good and appropriate to not reveal ourselves, or at least parts of ourselves or aspects of ourselves. Now, this can be rare because most of the time, real vulnerability and showing our authentic true selves, those are important aspects of building healthy relationships, which is what we're trying to do almost all the time. But there are times, for various reasons, where it will be good and wise to reveal maybe just part of ourselves and to keep some aspects hidden. Maybe because it wouldn't go well if we're our true selves. Maybe we would be rejected, not accepted for who we are. Maybe we would be mistreated or harmed as a result of revealing our true selves. Or maybe it would just cause more conflict than we really want to deal with. This morning, I want to explore how God and faith might speak to what we choose to reveal about ourselves and when. And we're going to look at a story from the life of Jesus. After I get my slides up, we'll see that even Jesus hid aspects of himself, of himself at different times. He purposefully chose to reveal parts of himself and to hide parts of himself in different contexts with different people because it was good and wise for him to do that. And it invites us to reflect on our own situations and contexts when it is good and helpful and wise to reveal or not reveal, when to disguise, when not to. Okay, so that's what I want to explore this morning with a story uh, from the life of Jesus. We're going to pick it up from John's Gospel. There's a story in chapter 7. So here we go. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He did not wish to go about 
in Judea because the Jewish rulers were looking for an opportunity to kill him. This is the setting. Super intense. It's only chapter 7 of John. There are 15 more to play out, okay? And already there is incredible conflict between Jesus and the religious slash political leaders in and around Jerusalem. So much so that Jesus doesn't even want to go to the region in which Jerusalem is located, into Judea. It's a little bit like you're from Illinois, and you're looking at Iowa going, that's a hostile place, I'm not going there. This is Jesus. Yeah, right, I know, I know. Let's set that aside for today, folks. It's a different sermon. Okay. Uh, Now, the Jewish festival of booths was near. So Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, so that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one who wants to be widely known acts in secret. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify against it that its works are evil. Go to the festival yourselves. I'm not going to this festival, for my time has not yet come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. So, Jesus refuses to go to Judea to the festival of booths. Now, this is one of the major annual festivals. There are three of them. Each one was a week long. It would be a little bit like going to the Iowa State Fair and remaining there for like five to seven days in Des Moines, Iowa State Fair. It's a massive party, crowds everywhere, animals everywhere. Watch where you step. Probably no butter sculptures, but I'm sure there's like games and displays and spectacles, okay? And Jesus' brothers are like, this is it, bro. If the rumors are true about what you can do and what people are saying about you, what better chance than the state fair, the festival of booths, go to the main stage, the grandstand, grab the mic from New Kids on the Block, and take it over. New Kids on the Block coming to the Iowa State Fair this August. You heard it here first. That's not a recommendation, but you heard it here first. Jesus' brothers urging him to go to this, to this festival. Now, their motivation is suspect. The narrator tells us they didn't really believe in him. So they're a little bit like, hey, dude, go and show yourself, because we're kind of curious if you can actually do it, but the way the rumors are telling us. Um, and Jesus is like, uh, no, I'm not going to be your monkey. My time has not yet come. He says this earlier in the book of John to his mom, so it's his favorite line to drop to family members, probably because he grew up saying that on chore day. My time has not yet come, right? Eh? And But he, he's basically saying, it's not my time. He adds this. He says, your time's always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify against it that its works are evil. This is a common theme in the book of John also, where we get the dichotomy between Jesus and what's called the world. This can be confusing, because when we use the term the world, we can mean it to mean a lot of different things. It does not mean like the natural world or all creation or even all people. 
Instead, when the book of John uses the world, it's referring to the human power structures that oppose God's ways of peace and justice. So Jesus comes and he's embodying God's liberation, God's peace and justice, and guess what happens? Conflict with the human power structures. If we think about the world as the recent anti-LGBTQ legislation in our state house in Iowa, that's the world that John's talking about. Okay, so Jesus is essentially saying, I'm renouncing the toxic stuff of human power arrangements, and that's why people in power don't like me. Jesus repeats himself to his brothers then, go to the festival yourselves. I'm not going to the festival. My time is not yet fully come. His brothers are probably thinking, fine, we're going without you. New kids on the block, general admission, we'll get to the front row. Woohoo. We'll bring it back a deep fried Oreo, bro. Okay, our story continues. But after his brothers had gone to the festival, then Jesus also went. Not publicly, but, as it were, in secret. (sighs) Jesus in secret. He decides to go, after all, in disguise. (laughs) It seems that Jesus is of two minds, okay? He wants to go to Jerusalem. He wants to be part of this. In, in essence, I think it's that Jesus knows and understands. He has a lot of gifts to offer the world. He has a lot of gifts related to healing, healing people, healing society. He has gifts of teaching, radical teachings that feel new to people listening. And really, he has the gift of himself, simply who he is. But another part of him understands that the risks are severe, that people in power want to harm him. They want to kill him. And so he's split. He's like, I really want to be there in the center, in the heart of the life of the people with God, this festival. But gosh, the risks are intense. So he goes in secret. Maybe he consulted with like the chief of disguise in Galilee. I need some help. And she's like, I got you, man. I got you, bro. Okay, so the story continues. The Jewish rulers were looking for Jesus at the festival, saying, where is he? And there was considerable complaining about him among the crowds. While some were saying, he's a good man. Others were saying, no, he's deceiving the crowd. Yet no one would speak openly about him for fear of the Jewish rulers. So another intense detail about the political situation, the political leaders around Jerusalem, like the people feel so uneasy about the situation. They're they're not even willing to say out loud some of their more honest thoughts about Jesus. But we get a little bit, right? And it's like Jesus is like the cloaked figure in the dimly lit tavern, listening in on all the conversations around him. Some are like, he's good. Some are like, no, he's not. And he's like, yeah, hearing it, like Strider, Lord of the Rings, anyone? And, you know, he's trying to pick up on the pulse of the political situation and understand what's the vibe. Can I reveal myself? Can I not, right? And in the middle... And about the middle of the festival, as we keep going, 
Jesus went up into the temple and began to teach. The Jewish rulers were astonished at it, saying, How does this man have such learning when he has never been taught? So this week-long festival, it's day three or four, and Jesus radically shifts his strategy and approach. He goes to the temple, the main stage, the grandstand. He takes the mic from New Kids on the Block, and he starts teaching. No more hiding. No more disguises. This is Jesus unveiled. It seems that in his wisdom, Jesus has determined, now is the time. Now I can reveal the gifts that God has given me, all I have to offer. The result of this unveiling is what we often see in the gospel stories. Everyone's amazed, including the rulers and political officials. Like, they're so amazed they forgot that they're trying to kill him. They're just like, wow, how does he do that? (laughs) That's impressive, you know? And Jesus, what they see is that he's just like all of the Jewish prophets before him. He is able to effectively communicate a vision of life with God, a world where individuals and society are brought into peace and justice, where everyone has their own vine and fig tree and deep fried Oreo. Now, I want us to just stop and pause and just kind of get into uh, this discernment and wisdom process that was happening for Jesus at this time, right? So as I mentioned, I think he was of two minds. He wanted to be there, wanted to be part of the action, wanted to reveal the gifts that he has, but he's also aware of the considerable risks involved in being there and revealing who he is, what he's doing. And he's making this crucial calculation about the timing, the context, the audience, how all of these different factors, these different complexities play off one another. Three days ago, Jesus determined it's not wise for me to be there as myself. (laughs) It's not wise for me to be there and reveal what I have to reveal. But now he goes to the temple. It's my time. Right? So something's changed, whatever. This is his wisdom. Like Jesus, we too can find ourselves in different contexts where it would be wise for us to not disclose too much of ourselves or the values that we hold dear. Now, as I mentioned earlier, I don't think this is the norm, right? The norm of building healthy relationships, healthy community, is we're practicing vulnerability, authenticity. Those are hallmarks of healthy relationships. We all have gifts, gifts that God has given us, gifts to offer the world. But sometimes those gifts will not be received. They will not be received well. People might reject us, reject the gifts that we bring. And sometimes the best way to steward the gifts that God has given us is to use discernment and not reveal them. So let me give a couple more examples to make this more practical. So one is more personal and one's more related to bigger systems. Okay, so first more personal. I have extended family members with whom I do not share very important values. 
values around religion, politics, economics. We don't see the world the same at all, like polar opposites. And I've learned over time that my perspective is not welcome. That who I am, the gifts that I would think benefit the world, are not welcomed or valued. And I've learned that when I try to share either my perspective or how I see things or just who I am, it doesn't go well. So it's made me ask a lot of questions. When is it good to talk about politics, religion, economics? When is it good not to? What will be helpful in which contexts? Do I want to risk conflict today at this family event? Do I not want to? And I figured out that I more often than not use extreme caution because I figured out it doesn't, it just doesn't work. For whatever reason, it doesn't work. They don't trust me as a person off is kind of what it comes down to. Trust that I mean well even, which is sad because I do, but that's the case. So in my own wisdom and discernment, I've chosen to use extreme caution, and I don't get into it. Now, I share that not because that's the right thing to do. I'm more sharing with you my own process because I just want to encourage us all to be thinking and reflecting on these dynamics, right? Just like Jesus, all of us find ourselves in those situations from time to time. So we're invited to use wisdom and discernment. To get, and to get help, ask friends, ask, pe- ask loved ones, ask people you trust, right, to help with how do I do this effectively? How do I do this honorably? How do I honor where other people are at? Okay. Another example. This is more systemic. So I'm on TikTok. Not another recommendation. And every once in a while, I'll come across video of people sharing advice to job seekers. Okay? And one of the things happening is they will caution against too much self-disclosure in the job-seeking process. And it's really kind of sobering because you start to figure out, like, there are a lot of employers who just have, like, a box of check marks of things that, of, like, a red flag you may not know is a red flag. Some of us will get this, obviously. But, you know, there's just all kinds of things. But they'll caution against mentioning family details because you don't know what the hiring person is looking for or not. You know, mentioning children, how many children, mentioning whether you have a partner, whether you're married. A young married woman with no children definitely won't want to mention possibly starting a family because of potential pregnancy discrimination. Despite being illegal, it's still a very, very common thing. And you can go look at lawsuits as I kind of went into that dark world this week. I was just kind of looking it up, curious. Some of the advice to job seekers even advises on people using a nickname or a middle name in the initial job application process because if you have a name that doesn't belong to white dominant culture in the United States, there can be bias against you. Okay? It's not fair. It's not right. It's not just. But there's a wisdom and discernment from potential job seekers, and how much to reveal or disclose. Yes? So there's not something wrong with the person seeking the job, of course, but there's something wrong with 
the system. And this is, again, part of the world, that term the world that John's gospel uses, uh, where the power structures are not practicing or advocating peace and justice. And so we as people need to be wise. So I share that again, not to tell us what to do or, you know, yeah, not to get, because I know life in the world is very complicated. I'm more sharing this so we can all be thinking, reflecting, learning, and growing in wisdom as we interact with the complicated political and economic systems around us. Okay, now there's one final section from our story from John 7. So Jesus, he, so he goes to the temple, he starts teaching. And then uh, we get several exchanges of what happens between the crowd and the religious authorities. And at one point, they even send guards to arrest Jesus. And they don't. It's not really clear exactly why. But then we get to this section, and starting verse 37. On the last day of the festival, the great day, while Jesus was standing there, he cried out, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me. And let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. When they had heard these words, some of the crowd said, this is really the prophet. Others said, this is the Messiah. But some asked, surely the Messiah does not come from Galilee, does he? Has not the scripture said that the Messiah is descended from David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David lived? So there was a division in the crowd because of him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. Jesus decides to make this bold claim. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me, and there will be rivers of living water for anyone who connects with the divine. Okay, what a lovely image. Rivers of living water pouring out of human beings connecting with the divine. You know, this is who we are. This is an image of the profound life-giving gifts in us. It's the gifts of what we bring. It's also the gifts of who we are. We are stewards of the living water that God has given us. We are stewards of those gifts. And as we follow Jesus into pathways of peace and justice, we are invited to exercise wisdom and discernment about how and when we bring those gifts to the surface, about how and when we disclose who we are and the gifts we have to offer. Sometimes it is good to maintain a disguise, to hide things, because it won't go well. Our gifts will not be received well. Sometimes we can boldly and emphatically share what is true and real about us. The power and the confidence to figure that out, to discern that, where does it come from? Where does it come from? Where do we get the confidence that Jesus has about determining when it's the right time? It comes from being grounded in God's love. God's unconditional positive regard for all of who we are, all the gifts that we bring. We never have to hide from God. 
We don't have to put our disguise on for God, right? And as we grow into God's love and the freedom we have in God's love, we have better capacity to determine the best way we can share the gifts we have with the world around us. As we follow Jesus, may we receive his wisdom on how to exercise our gifts, how to share them with the world. Amen.